body as hot as us. East side, west side, north side, south side. Let's ride. Welcome to The Exchange. I'm your host, Vince. This week on the pod, we will hit a lot of NBA draft rumor and speculation. We'll talk about a couple of trades that we tracked down, got multiple sources on around the association. We have a little Easter egg for the Charlotte Hornets fans and on your road to redemption to being a good team. All that and we'll hit the NFL and a little bit about UCLA football because y'all know I am all about the Bruins. So sit back and enjoy the podcast. Okay, we start this week in the NFL. The first thing that comes to mind is that Bill Belichick said something very interesting during his press conference. He said, quote, We pay for the sins of the last five years. We sold out. And in our selling out, we got three Super Bowl championships, a Super Bowl appearance, and a AFC Conference Championship appearance. And now we just don't have a lot to work with. Cat-wise, and it sounded like talent-wise. So I think this was Bill's way of saying, hey, we're not tanking per se, but we're tanking. And that's about as glaring of a piece of information that has ever come out of New England. Usually Bill is very close to the vest about everything that goes on in that locker room. And for him to come out and say, hey, we're just not that good. And we shouldn't expect to be that good because of salary cap constraints. But we gave you three championships. I think right now what you're looking at in New England is just gathering information and looking at a situation where you could be in the top 10 of the draft coming up. So you might be in play for one of the quarterbacks. So it could just be one year of suffering Patriots fans and then back right on top. If for some reason you end up with Justin Fields or even uh, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, 
I hear that Bill is very high on Zach Wilson out in BYU. I'm going to check his game out come this weekend because they're playing Boise State, and I want to check them out and see what this kid is really all about. Now, taking a look around the college football scene this week, we do get the Pac-12 back. So now all the Power 5 conferences are playing. Doesn't make a difference. Clemson is going into Notre Dame, the number one team in the nation, without their starting quarterback. They're going to start a true freshman at South Bend. And they're still favored by five and a half. I don't know, Iris, should you be... Should you feel disrespected? You're at home against a true freshman quarterback and you're underdogs by five and a half. Did anybody see that kid play? DJ Ugalele put on a performance. A little rusty in the first half, but threw for like 350 yards, four touchdowns. That's a true freshman. A couple other games to note. In the college scene, obviously, like I said, the Pac-12 starts. So you got Oregon and you got Stanford playing. Now, I saw on ESPN they said that the margin for error for the Pac-12 was minuscule. There was no way you could be a one-loss team and get to the um, championship series if you were in the Pac-12. I don't understand that situation. I'm thinking that we still have a little East Coast bias, but that's cool. Here's the deal. We understand that the power is in the South. Alabama, Clemson, um, probably another SEC school in Ohio State. Sorry, Big 12, you're out this year. All your teams are garbage. So we're looking at that. Now, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, we're just happy to have football out here. That's the big deal. Now, As a UCLA fan, I'm excited to see UCLA at Colorado come this Saturday. I want to see what DTR does. This is third year in the system, so things should be moving very slowly for him. I don't know if the running back situation will get itself squared away. Now, the the transfer in from Duke, Britton Brown, There's high, high hopes for him. So we'll see if the running game can get on track and get him some easy, manageable third downs and see if they can go into Boulder and get the W. Michigan is in trouble. You're looking at a situation where you lost to Michigan State last week. You're playing Indiana this week. And, I mean, your season is in jeopardy. The Amazing Blue need a win at Bloomington this weekend. Because the rumors and the hot seat for Jim Harbaugh will catch literally on fire if they lose to the Hoosiers this weekend. Because, really, the alumni probably didn't even want to tolerate the Michigan State loss. And knowing that you're only going to get one shot at Ohio State, which is a machine right now. The Georgia-Florida game should be interesting. Because you got a lot of NFL talent on the field. One. Two, 
the dynamic between Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts uh, should be interesting against the Georgia defense. How many fans will be in the stands will be will be amazing. Uh, I guess in Georgia, we do not care about COVID. SEC football is a way of life. So, you know, COVID concerns, eh, maybe, maybe not. But SEC football, for sure, got to be there for that. Let's move over to the NFL. Now, first of all, we got Pittsburgh at 7-0. Pittsburgh, I did give you your apology about Ben Roethlisberger in the last couple weeks. So, you're good there. They just look good. They just look different. Their defense is playing fast and it's playing um, opportunistic. They're getting after people, and they're suffocating good offenses. They made uh, poor Lamar Jackson look look terrible last week. The Rams have a problem. Um, I don't know if the quarterback situation is as good as they needed to be. I thought for a long time that Jared Goff would need all the help that he could get, meaning... The running game needed to be consistent. The offensive line needed to be consistent. Anytime he gets pressure and he throws a pass, it just seems like it's incomplete or it's an interception. It never seems to be where he's under pressure. He gets the ball off and is completed for a significant reception. Like, you might get two or three yards or something like that, but not, like, first downs and keeping the chains moving. And that is a problem because the offensive line, there's no help on the horizon. So you have to wait until the draft. And by that time, obviously, it's going to be too late. I don't know if the Rams are... A playoff team. I don't know if they are a, a a team that can make a deep run in the playoffs at this point. We are just terribly inconsistent, and that is going to bite us in the butt. That performance in Miami was terrible. Four turnovers. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. The other intriguing game is the Seahawks travel to Buffalo. So, Russ Wilson against Josh Allen. That should be interesting. We'll see how it all goes. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, Seattle should pull that out. Better quarterback wins. Russ is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Bills Mafia, I know. You owe me about that. You're going to be real upset. But at this point in time, Russ, Russell Wilson is an MVP frontrunner. Not even a candidate. He's a frontrunner. He's doing it. He's doing it in every way possible right now. The only saving grace is that the Seattle defense is still below par. You can run on them, and that's what Buffalo does. They run on people and then hit you with the big play. I just don't know if they have sustainable offense against what Russ is going to put up. That would be my only concern about that. Then Sunday night, we get Breeze 
Brady 2. So think about this Sunday night, right? All the games are over. You chilling. You know, you saw the football montage on Red Zone. But it's not over because you got Breeze and Brady. New Orleans won that first game, and they look really good doing it. Since then, they've lost Michael Thomas. They lost uh, another wide receiver, and their offense is a little pedestrian. Alvin Kamara is having a fantastic year. He is getting after it. This should be just a really interesting game. Oh, Antonio Brown is back for the Buccaneers. They signed him a couple weeks ago. He went through the uh, COVID protocol, and now he's going to be able to play. That's another weapon for Brady. He's going to have a treasure chest of just weapons that he has at his disposal. And I just wonder what that team is going to look like week 14, 15, and 16. Because I think it'll look a lot different and the offense will be a lot more um, decisive in their uh, progressions and things of that nature. Just because of the fact that Brady is just a, he's a creature of habit. Practice, 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 perfect the, you know, all the throws. Try to get it into the playmaker's hands exactly where they want it. That's his deal. So, Execution is key for him. Keep in mind, he's not the deepest of throwers. So anything that he's going to do is going to be in the middle. It's going to be the quick outs. It's going to be the quick slants. It's going to be the comeback routes, things that are like that. So that's the thing that they got to get all worked out before the end of the year. But having another weapon and darn near a future Hall of Famer in Antonio Brown does not hurt your causes, Tampa Bay, as you try to become the first team to host a Super Bowl. Yo, let's get it going. You guys got all the weapons now. There should be no excuses. Everybody in the other uh, divisions are going to beat up on each other. The West is just stacked. Green Bay still has to navigate the North, which they're the best team in the North. Let's just be honest. The NFC is still still trash at this point. Uh, Philadelphia has a chance of um, almost becoming all like a reclamation project and getting over 500 at some point. But the rest of the division is just, it's, it, I can't even, I, I don't even know what the word to put on the NFC East at this point. And then it's just you and New Orleans in the NFC South. So Tampa Bay is laid out for you. You better go get it. TV 12 is on his grind right now. He's got, he got two weapons now from New England, Gronk and Antonio uh, Brown. So that should be real, real cool. All right. So what's going to happen now is, is that we're going to talk about some basketball. Now, the one thing that we promised you is we promised you a player profile. And I do have one. I'm excited about this because I did a lot of research. I went, dug in the tapes. I said I was going to come back with some heat. And I did. So, last week we talked about 
um, doing a player profile for uh, Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. The reason why I want to do one for Peyton Pritchard is because I'm always looking for the guys who might be able to get drafted by the Lakers at their pick. So this is obviously a little selfish on my part, but also it gives you a little indication of not just the top guys that we always talk about, right? The Lamelo Balls, the Anthony Edwards, the James Wisemans, the Obi Toppins, um, and the kids like that. Sometimes we just want to give love to the guys who, you know, might play a big part on a team that's good, right? So the player profile for Peyton Pritchard is just like this. First of all, the key measurables, he's 6'2", he's 195 pounds. Um, now, I'm going to give you his strengths, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about his game. The one thing that you see about Peyton Pritchard right away, first of all, is that he was an integral part of the Oregon offense. Literally, he his handprint was on the team, okay? Not only did he take the most shots of, the, of anybody on the team, he distributed the ball. He got into pick and roll action. Um, so a lot of the offense was really run through him. Now, here are some of his strengths, okay? Um, his playmaking ability and his IQ. He's not the flashiest passer, but he's very consistent in pick and roll, okay? So he will make the right pass. So if somebody is ducking to the basket or popping out for the three, He's in on that. So he's real cerebral when it comes to that. Now, as far as his three-point shooting is concerned, the dude is off the chain. He shot over 40%. Okay, so he's a dead-eye shooter. Okay? His ball handling skills are, are very good. He is not the guy who is going to run your team in the sense of he is that quintessential point guard. Okay? He's not that guy. But what he is, is he's a secondary guy. And what have we been talking about with the Lakers? They need a secondary ball handler. So he's very versed at doing that. He has a lot of craftiness to his game. Now, I know usually when you hear craftiness, right, it, it's the <clears throat> it's the polite way of saying he's slow and this and that. Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that he is real strong of foot speed, but he has different gears. So he knows how to slow you down, then speed you up, and he can create his own shot. He's able to get his body into a position where he can go ahead and get up his shot without really a lot of problem. Now, he might have a problem with length defenders like one-on-one but what you're going to ask him in the NBA is to probably do a lot of stand in the corner maybe do a little you know get into the lane and throw up some floaters but you're not going to ask him to break down a defender that's not his get down his get down is going to be pick and roll action um pop to the top of the key, hit the three-point shot. His range is really good. 
he has he's been shooting NBA range since his like sophomore year in college at a pretty uh, good clip. So he's not going to have the problem of going back the two feet that you would usually have with the normal college kid. So 24 feet should not be a real issue for him. Now, the one thing that everybody talks about is that his height, and they talk about, you know, slow foot speed. But um, I dig into the numbers a little bit, and he scores well around the rim. He shoots 54.2% at the rim. Okay, so he is able to get his shot off. So he might not be, okay, I'm going to go to the hole, and I'm going to dunk on you. But he gets to the he gets to the paint. And he's able to get his shot off with floaters and contorting his body and getting layups and what have you. So he's able to do that. Like, again, we talked about his passing. He averaged 5.5 assists a game last year. He was super efficient in pick and roll, okay? The other thing is is that he keeps his eyes up in transitions to get easy buckets. So what do the Lakers do a lot of is the outlet pass to the streaking guy down the court like a la Anthony Davis, LeBron James to Anthony Davis a lot, right? So that's something that he can definitely do. Now, one of the scouts said that Pritchard could run an NBA offense for spurts. That's what we just talked about. He's not going to be the guy who's going to handle the ball for 30 minutes at a time. But if you ask him to handle the ball for six minutes at a time, let LeBron get the rest, let, you know, Alex Caruso get the rest, this is something that he can do. The other thing is, is that what Coach T and I talked about is trying to find fits, like real fits, things that work, right? Somewhere we we put the kid where he's going to be the most productive. And that's why I was looking at Peyton Pritchard for like the Lakers because he would fit right into the system. And one of the scouts said that he's the type of guy that because of the fact that he was predominantly the offense at his school, he can come in and fill a role in the NBA level easy because you're changing his role and you're making it less. Because here's the other thing. Scouts say that Pritchard without the basketball is still good because he does a lot of cuts. He knows to find the open space, the little areas in the zone to rise up and get his J off. So these Things bode well for him come the next level, whether it's in a Laker uniform or somewhere else. Now, obviously, we got to give you the weaknesses, right? Okay, he's deficient in foot speed. He's not going to be the guy who's going to be the quickest up the court, you know, 94 feet. Okay, he doesn't have a ton of explosiveness. He's not going to dunk on you a lot and all that. Um, they say that he has, a he has a high floor, he has a low floor, but he has a high ceiling. So he's not going to be the guy who's going to just bust at the NBA level. He'll find his niche, whether it's backup point guard or, you know, in the right system, he could start for you and be that off, you know, that kind of point guard, but maybe you have somebody who runs it as a point forward. Now, he does struggle with passing reads. They say complex uh, defenses 
bother him. I think that's too wrong, okay? I think there is a definite area where he can improve. But he was trying to do so much at Oregon, okay? Um, keep in mind, this is a dude that lost bowl, bowl three games into the season a couple years ago. Um, and I think they had a couple injuries with their forwards last year as well. So he's been asked to do a lot at Oregon. Now, a couple other things that the, the scouts did say about him is that he has a high IQ. Um, they say that he uses anticipation and angles for his defense. They say that he's not he's not like a great one-on-one defender, but he's not just going to let people blow past him. Um, now, we'll see, right? Elite guards are going to kill him. Like the Dame Lillers of the world, if that's who he's checking, he's going to have a problem. So what you're what you're hoping for is that he's just better than the the one guard, the backup point guard, basically. <clears throat> now here's an interesting comparison. They compare him to Fred Van Vliet. If Peyton Pritchard comes anywhere close to what Fred Van Vliet is doing in the league, oh, you got yourself a player. Okay, because Fred Van Vliet is a stone-cold killer. Okay, he has great range, a la Peyton Pritchard. So if that ends up happening, that's like fantastic. That's exactly what you want out of a late first-round pick, early second-round pick, and that's what he's projected to be. Now, the best fits for him are... Of course, the Lakers, right? I wouldn't have done this play profile if he wasn't going to be a good fit for the Lakers. Also, the T-Wolves and the 76ers. 76ers need outside shooting like nobody's business. That's all they should draft. I think they have like five picks in the um, draft in total. And every last one of their picks should be somebody who can shoot. They need guards. And they need people who can shoot. That's all they should draft. So, 76ers, you know what's up. I gave you the love last week. Giving you some love this week. Get some shooters. Help Joel and B and Ben Simmons out. Now, we have one other note to talk about. And that's Chris Paul. Chris Paul has made it be known that if he gets traded, he wants to get traded to L.A. or the Knicks. Now, I have something for you later on in the pie with Coach T that I'm not going to let out the bag right now, okay? You got to listen. You got to earn it and get to the rest of the pie. But those are the rumors that are out there. Like last week I said on the show, I did not think that Chris Paul would find his way to the Lakers because of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to do long term. They're trying to pair LeBron and Anthony Davis up with a young star. Somebody around Anthony's age or maybe even younger. So they can keep the run going. Once LeBron starts to slow down. Which will not happen. At least this year. I think he's going to be good. 36 is the new 26 I guess. Especially when it comes to LeBron James. 
who spent approximately $1.5 million on his physical training alone. All right. So that's going to cut for me. Now, the rest of this pod will be me and Coach T getting into the draft and getting into the rumors and getting into the trades. So y'all hang tight and enjoy the rest of the pod. Y'all know where y'all are. The exchange is back on the air. Coach T, myself, Vince, you know y'all rocking with the best. Coach T, welcome to episode 10 of you and I, but episode 14 in total. Wow, look at God, man. He's amazing, man. Shouts out to God. Episode 10 already? That's crazy, man. Like, we, we really, man... You know, when you love what you do, man, you really don't pay attention to those type of things, man. But, man, what a blessing, Vince, man. I appreciate it, bro. I- Absolutely, bro. It could, couldn't have done it without you. I mean, we did a couple double episodes, but they all count, bro, because they all Ws. Yeah, if y'all haven't already, man, you got to check out them last last couple weeks, man. We've been – and we still on fire right now, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, last week was – I don't I, I'm really thinking like last week's episode and I think every week is like my new favorite episode. Like that's how I feel about us. But I'm like, you know, last week episode was really like it's officially my favorite episode. So no pressure for this week. Right, guys? <laughs> no pressure. But man, last week was lit. Well, Coach T, with that being said, I think there are people listening to the pod. You know, we gave some social media love to the countries of Japan the United Kingdom, India, France, Brazil. But I think there is a potential lottery pick listening to the pod, sir. Check that out, man. I tell you what, man, I would not be surprised, but at the same time, extremely grateful if, if, if you know, he's listening. But, you know, we're on here to really just raise awareness, man, you know, and talk about guys that everybody's not talking about but they are talking about. So, so we're going to keep and we're going to continue to talk about guys like, you know, Desmond Bain and, and, and a bunch of other guys that may not be on the radar of everybody right now. Cause when you think about NBA draft, you always think lottery, right? And then after that, we're really not too concerned unless it's a, a high level uh, college player that, you know, uh, performed really high in college, but for whatever reason, it's not a lottery. Um, it's not projected a lottery pick. So we're going to be digging in, talking about a lot of these guys, man. So y'all tune in. Keep listening. Friend, tell somebody. Oh, yeah. Word of mouth is awesome. Use your social media platform to help a grassroots podcast reach its vision, which is we want to dominate all the measurables on Apple. We want to dominate all the measurables on Spotify. So if you know that's where we headed, we gonna need your help. We even launched, we got the Instagram already on lock. We got an email now so people can get to the exchange even easier. We got a link tree on Twitter 
and Instagram. So you get to the pod and the other social media platforms. So we just trying to do it real big, Coach T. Yeah, man. And if you haven't already, guys, give us a follow, man. You know that we're active on social media. You show love, we show love. That's the way it works, man. We support our supporters, man. And and that's just how it goes. So, you know, it's been cool to really interact with a lot of podcasters and stuff like that and listen to their stuff and, you know, check out their pages and things like that. So we're showing genuine love. So if you haven't already, man, give us a follow at QP Sports Exchange on Instagram, man, on Instagram. And, And, you know, Vince, I'll let you give them the Twitter as well. The Twitter is also QP Sports Exchange. So it's the same exact thing. So you don't have to go, oh, well, I can't find this. Now I have my own Twitter and I'll give that out at the end of the podcast. But right now this is all about QP Sports Exchange and what we're trying to do. Because here's the thing, Coach T, that person that I was talking about who might have heard the podcast last week was one LaMelo Ball because Reports are, by your own, Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer says multiple sources have LaMelo really not showing out in the interview process, leaving a lot to be desired. Your thoughts on that? It's it's hard to look at it from a certain way. And, and give me a second on this one. Like His dad is very experienced when it comes to um, professional sports, whether people, you know, want to accept it or not, his dad, you know, gets the tag of being a certain type of person. But when it comes to his sons, I really think he re- he knows exactly what's going on, especially when it comes to professional sports. I think that he knows where he wants Melo to be. And I think Melo is has bought into, you know, not only his dad's plan, but more more so his plan for where he wants to be. And, that, and that's New York. And so why interview well for certain teams when you know you don't want to be there? You know what I'm saying? You're kind of playing the game. You're kind of finessing the system, uh, to speak. So I think that's what's going on, quite quite frankly. I think he wants to be in New York. And if he's going to sit down and talk to somebody else, another team, he's going to let it be known that, hey, I don't, I don't want to be here, so I'm not going to interview well. And it, and I, it kind of reminds me of, like, uh, the workout situation. Like, you know how players decline to work out for certain teams? Uh, he's not he's not declining to work out. He's not declining the interview. He's just he's just giving you a bad interview and, it, and it's rubbing you the wrong way. <laughs> well, I think now this is the best time than any to go ahead and do this. If that's the case, that he's one ends up in New York. Right. And that was where we had placed him last week. Get into the archives, guys. Catch up because. We're going to drop some more smoke today, but this smoke was last week before anybody had it. So if he's trying to get to New York, New York has the eighth pick. He's not going to fall that far. So I actually think that your Charlotte Hornets are in the best spot, and I'll tell you why. Because now I believe that Anthony Edwards will be the number number one overall pick because he gives something to the Timberwolves that they don't have. He is super athletic. He would be, if he buys into the defensive end, he should be a starter day one. Okay. 
because that's where D'Angelo Russell suffers. He's not his lateral quickness isn't the best. So having a guard that can do that would be beneficial to the Timberwolves. Golden State is trying to trade the number two pick, but they want something really, really specific in return. So they might just go ahead and draft Wiseman because for what they need in the area they need to fill, he's the logical choice. Which brings us to Charlotte. If you have the number three overall pick and you don't take LaMelo Ball, you a fool. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real with that. But if he doesn't want to play for you and he's going to be, you know, an issue when it comes to that, now you have New York. And what do you need from New York for them to take the third overall pick? I mean, do you try to get Kevin Knox and put him with um, Malik Monk, or do you go after? Do you go after to uh, what's his name, uh, Mitchell Robertson, the center from New York, and then their pick and maybe something else next year? But I think Charlotte might have more have some options that wasn't afforded to them two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I think, you know, get, getting a big man from New York, you know, Mitchell Robinson, if, if you paid attention to him these last couple of years, he's been in the league. Um, we've seen progression out of him, right? I think that he's he's on, on track, you know, to be a really good player in this league, a productive player, if he continues to progress, right? But for Charlotte, it's about – swinging for the fence right now dude like I, I don't know how we don't listen it, it ain't even about position um especially if the guy that i think that we really need isn't there and then i'm not in the front office but like if we're not going to get ant-man we ain't gonna get anthony edwards then you know and lamello's there why not you know what i'm saying like why not i get it Devonte graham's our point guard he played w- really well last year and realistically he got snubbed, like, like being honest, he got snubbed on most improved player. Like you don't go from averaging, like, I don't know what it was, like two, three, four points a game to 18 points a game, and you don't win most improved player. Like that's just ridiculous. So I, I, I just had to mention that. But, you know, I don't, I don't see why, you know, getting LaMelo and like grooming him for the starting point guard position is something that, you know, we don't do. Like, why wouldn't we want to do it? I get it. Devontae's Graham, maybe y'all worried about hurting his feelings or something like that. I don't know. I like him. I think he's awesome. He's local. He's from, um, he's from Raleigh. Another, another North Car- a kid from North Carolina that ended up at Kansas, <laughs> which, you know, we talked about that in the last podcast. So if you haven't, um, if you haven't heard that episode, man, go check it out. I thought we talked about the pipeline from, from Kansas to, to North Carolina, man. But um, I like Devontae Graham, but I like LaMelo's potential. If we can get him, go get him. You always take the best available talent. doesn't matter if you have multiple at that position. Here's the thing is that Coach T told, talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, so, again, we'll tell you to go back into the archives. It's hard to teach 6-7 and that type of court vision the last time we saw this, this particular skill set, it was Sean Livingston. And before that, 
it was Penny Hardaway. So he's an undeniable talent. And like Coach T has said over the last four or five weeks, that having a star in Charlotte, especially basketball star in Charlotte, would make a world of difference. And that's what LaMelo Ball is. He's a star. Now, he takes horrendous shots. There's no question. Um, so shot selection will be something that they will have to work with him on. But as far as eyes to Charlotte and people wanting to do lead pass with Charlotte because they want to see a six seven magician basically at the point guard position, uh, Devontae Graham can either A, play the two, and you have two ball ha- handlers on the court. Too small, man. You know, or, well, you can always switch LaMelo to the two guard as far as defense position. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, you're right. They could work you it know. like that, too. Yeah, yeah. you, you don't have to worry about who's guarding who. I mean, we, we had Avery Johnson, uh, Avery Bradley wasn't our point guard uh, last year. LeBron James was, but Avery Bradley guarded the point guard. So it'd be the same exact thing. You just grab up talent right now if you're Charlotte. I don't know what... Next year is looking like Coach T, and you might have to be able to tell me about this, but usually there's one guy and then the next two or two to five guys are like maybe a level or a level and a half down. This is the one year that, yeah, there isn't the one guy, but there's literally about eight or nine guys in this draft that you can sit there and say, they're going to be a major contributor to their team. And they're probably more than nine. But I'm just thinking off the top of my head, the guys who I think will be able to give something to their team this year, right? Yeah. I think next year, not to look forward to it, you know, you know, hey, forward forward thinking is something that's really good. I, I would I would encourage everybody to uh, try to try to use that. But I think next year's draft class is is really exciting too because it'll be the first draft class where you know those kids that went to the G League and played one year will be draft draft eligible. So that that's next year is going to be exciting too to see to see what happens. But um, I'm gonna give you a name, and I, I've mentioned this guy already. I've mentioned him one time before. Um, R.J. Hampton. I don't I don't know where he's projected to go. I can look at look it up again and, and find out, but I personally think that he could be a steal for somebody this year because we're, we're top a five recruit coming out of high school came out with Lamelo again. He went played in the same league overseas with uh, Lamelo Ball, and he he was really really good. I mean, he was ranked higher than Lamelo coming out of high school, so I would love to get in him too. So uh, remember that name, R.J. Hampton. His draft status is all over the board. In Jonathan Wasserman's uh, latest mock draft, he's a guy I follow. Um, usually has a pretty good pulse of what's going on in the association. He has Hampton going to the Milwaukee Bucks at 24. And the word is on him is that, you know, obviously explosive athlete, his three ball and his pull-up jump shot needs to improve. So, and that's what he's showing in the, um, in the workouts. Definitely could be a steal. Uh, I think, you know, 
<clears throat> we talked about this briefly before, you know, in our, in our meeting, production meeting about, you know, player development, player, player development is huge in the NBA and the teams that have the better front offices and the better coaching staffs and the um, player development departments, they're consistently good. And what I mean, they'll have one off year and, you know, those kids that they drafted, you know, over those two years, they developed them into really good players like a Miami Heat, uh, you know, Boston Celtics. It doesn't matter. You you give them a couple of drafts and, and they're going to get it figured out. And then when they get the players, they're going to develop the players. And so, you know, if you get a player like RJ Hampton going into the right, right system, um, as far as like the player development piece is, is concerned, um, mm-hmm. then, then yeah, he, he can be really good because nobody can tell me that, you know, Jalen Brown was really good coming out of high school, really, really good. But I didn't think Jalen Brown was going to be like a, a good NBA player. Like I thought he would, you know, he had a chance to be okay, but, you know, going to Boston set him up to be really good, you know, because the player development piece. I saw him at Cal and he was amazing. Like he coming was, out of high school. Like, oh man, let me tell you, he did some stuff at Cal against UCLA. That was just, it was filthy. Uh, his defensive acumen at the time, he was guarding ones. He was guarding twos. He was switching, picking rolls, you know, and, and switching on to the big guy because of his athleticism. Maybe I didn't know that he could be like a 22-a-game scorer, but I was like, that's a good piece for anybody to pick up. The one thing that I would say about Charlotte is this. What would you do with the number three overall pick? I understand that you want talent. I understand that you want star power. But if there was something out there, let's say the Knicks come calling, would it be even something remotely to think about that you trade the number three pick overall for the Knicks pick and maybe the Knicks pick next year? With all the G League kids that will be coming out, right, and all the kids that's going to go to do the one-and-done in college basketball, and you never know which Euro is going to come over next year and see what he's all about. There's one guy that I'm really intrigued by because a lot of people have been talking him up, and it's the center out of USC. His name is Oneka Okongwu. I hope I'm saying that right. Mrs. Okongwu, if I didn't say it right, I apologize. That's your big, son's name, so I just want to make sure. Big O. <laughs> yeah. That's what they call that's what they called him at Chino Hills. Big O. Yeah. So my thing is is that if you can trade down and get him, and he kind of fits your timeline, right? Because I understand that, you know, Cody Zeller is is serviceable. But if you can get a guy who is Bam out of Iowa, but younger, right? And then you'll have a pick for ne- your pick next year, plus New York's pick. Maybe it's lottery protected top three, right? But anything outside the top three is yours. So there's a good chance that Charlotte will probably end up in the lottery again next year. But would you like the building block of Agonko and then your two picks next year so then you can almost double down and see which one of those guys would end up being a star for you? Because here's the other thing, right? With Lamelo is the question of 
will his shot selection get better in next year's draft, right? You have the kids that did play in the G League, so they have what? Professional coaching before they even enter the association. So if you were talking about a Jalen Green, maybe, to Charlotte next year with a year of G League coaching, right? Or you get your point guard next year and Deshaun Nix. And you have the piece that you picked up this year and whatever the Knicks pick is next year. You know the Knicks are not going to be great next year either. So keep that in mind. Would that be something that you'd be willing to do, Coach T? No, you get me super excited, bro. Like super excited. Just to think about like, hey, listen, Michael Jordan, you listening to my boy Vince, man. And I'm talking about, you know, right here on QP Sports Exchange a whole plan on how the Hornets could go from, from nothing to something. Like, I'm, I'm with it, man. Like, if we trade the third pick and we're able to move back and, and get big O, and then, like you say, you know, play with the team that we have, put the young players on the court, let them play. Of course, you know, we're going we're gonna to take our bumps, and that's going to put us most likely back in the lottery. And if we can get the assets that we need, to be able to, because I think we'll have to move up because, you know, we don't know how Jalen Green is going to play, but if he goes to the G League and plays phenomenal, then he's going to be like in the top three. You know what I'm saying? So so we're going to need to be up there again next year um, to be able to get him. So if we can move back and, and, and get some assets and at the same time pick up, you know, man, uh, I'm with that, man. I'm with that because I'm like I say, it's all about forward thinking. I'm thinking about the future. It's about building pieces. And right now on our roster, we don't have any pieces. You know, like I say, Devontae Graham, he's awesome. Shots out to Devontae Graham. His progression has been amazing. But it's, you know, we have to build a team that's going to be a playoff contender and, you know, you know, eventually a championship contender. And it's going to start in the draft. But you got to have a plan. You have to have a plan. But that sounds amazing, Vince. Man, you got me excited. I'm wondering if they're even thinking about doing that. And maybe they'll listen to the pod. And maybe they'll, you know. They'll think about it after they hear this episode. Oh, no doubt. They definitely got to listen to the pod. We'll we'll find a way to get it into their hot little hands. So we'll get that. But my whole thing is this, Charlotte. Understand this. You are not New York. You are not Los Angeles. And you are not Miami. So you need to think in a way that's different than those franchises that I mentioned. Okay, so what you're going to have to do is we only got the number three pick this year. We do not have an asset that we're willing to move on from or good enough to get the number one overall pick. Now, if we stay pat at three, we could go safe route and pick Ovi Toppin. We would be scared off. I can understand that they would be scared off by LaMelo. But if you could take your third pick this year and trade it, go down, get a piece that everybody says is a, as far as the big man is concerned in this draft, there is a split between people who have done general managing in the league and scouts about who the best big man prospect is. James Wiseman is not a lot as far as the best prospect of the big man. A lot of people 
love Agonku from USC. I mean, they love him. You get that, Charlotte, you move back a little bit, you're still kind of devoid of talent somewhat. That's okay. Because you're going to end up with the Knicks pick next year in your own. So the lottery stands pat the way it is this year, right? Charlotte ends up with the third pick, and New York ends up with the eighth pick next year. Now you got two picks in the top ten. You know, you want to get to number one. It'll be a real easy shot to get there. I'll give you the third overall pick and the eighth overall pick for the number one overall pick. So whoever that guy is next year, Charlie can draft him. You're welcome, North Carolina, in the surrounding areas. That's how you're going to get your team on the map. You need to shoot for the stars. P.J. Washington is a good role player. He'll be the guy who might end up being like the glue guy, but he's not going to be the guy going to go stretches where there's a seven-game period where he averages 35. And, Coach T, if I'm not mistaken, do you have a guy on the team right now that, that can do that? That can go for 35? 35, like seven games in a row. Not at all. I mean, Devontae could go for it because he's going to get the shots because we don't have anybody else to shoot. So by default, he could go for 35. I mean, he had some amazing stretches last year where he he just ripped off some amazing games, but he also hit a wall. You get people have to remember Devontae Graham is like 5'10", 5'11". You know, I don't know what he's listed at. Maybe he's listed at six feet, but I, I think that he's like 5'10", 5'11", and he shoot he has to shoot. And, you know, getting to the basket is is – it's not super easy because he's not super athletic. So you got to know. The answer is no, we don't have that guy. So, yeah, before I go on a rant, we don't have that guy. And I, I'm sorry to every guy on the roster right now. I know you probably feel like you can be that guy. I haven't seen the best of you yet. I get it, bro. Like, you got to think that way in the league. But I, we don't we don't have that guy on the roster right now. Yeah, I think this might be the blueprint for Charlotte. Yeah, Devontae was a second-round pick, and, you know, it's rare. Like I just said, guys, listen, check out the last episode of the pod. It is rare that anybody outside of pick 1 through 20 gets on the court, yet alone if they get on the court out of the top 20. they it, it's, it's rare that they actually stick in the league and become, you know, like a Draymond Green or drafted outside of the top 20 and found their way and became an important piece you know, even an all-star in the league. Like, it's rare in the NBA, man, because the, the percentage of those guys that pan out and work out is, is very low. So, you know, Devontae Graham, was it, it was luck, and it was hard work, though, man, because the kid was I – mean, he's a hard worker. You know what I'm saying? That does not happen. Like, unless you're just a dog, you work hard, and, and you want it, you know, more than the, the guys that are on your team, quite frankly, because he went from playing in the G League <laughs> the previous season to averaging 18 points a game. So those type of things happen every once in a while. So when you get lightning in a, in a bottle like that, right, you got to take advantage of it. You know, that could be your sixth man of the year for a long period of time. That could be your, your squad, Lou Williams. There's nothing wrong with getting 18 points a game, okay, coming off the bench. And that's something that you can just literally count on every single night. That's a luxury in the NBA, okay? Now. With that being said, you want to upgrade your high elite talent. 
the best way to do that is to say, okay, not exactly where I want to be in this draft. And realistically, for me to get to where I want to be, to get the person I want to get, I have to give up assets that can end up being three pieces down the road for things I need when I need to make the playoff push, right? So you trade down, you get a, a really fine prospect. And like I said, if he is what people are saying that he is, I just think that that will just be perfect. And, and here's the thing. Let's say next year's draft is like this year's draft. But the like we said, some of this talent is going to have a year of professional coaching. Could you imagine two prospects like within the top six? I have what I consider to be the thing that will put the Lakers over the top for next year and for years to come. Coach T, would you like to hear my plan? Let's go. Let's go. Now, this is not something that I came up on my own. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. This actual thought bubble came from PJ Pareka in the NBA Analysis Network. So there is a rumor out there, and I'm going to tell you right now, this will fix the Lakers for years to come. It involves the Chicago Bulls. So the Bulls, they get back Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, and Lakers' first round pick this year, the 2020 pick, the 28th pick overall. In return, the Lakers get Zach Levine, former UCLA Bruin, West Coast guy. There's your ball handler, there's your three-point shooter, and there's your, your guy who will replace Danny Green in the starting lineup. So we get DeMarcus Cousins. You could have a lineup of, like, let's say Avery Bradley, Zach Levine, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. Wow, yeah, I, I I like that idea for so many different reasons. Number one, uh, Zach is a ridiculous athlete, uh, ridiculous athlete. But um, as of late, he's shown that he can score the basketball at a high clip. Believe me, I watched him go off on the Hornets. <laughs> I watched him go off on the Hornets, like for like a forty ball or whatever that was. He went off for us on man, but he um he's learned how to score. You know, what would be cool about that situation is that Zach gets to L.A. and he kind of and I'm not comparing him to Anthony Davis talent wise, but he will get to be around players that know how to win. Now, Anthony Davis went there with all the talent in the world. But he had to be taught how to win at a high level, how to win championships. And he had LeBron to lean on. Now, Zach gets to go there and he gets to lean on A.D. and LeBron. And they're going to take his talent to another level because he already has the talent. He already has the mindset that he, look, I'm, I'm like that on the court, but now he needs to learn how to play, you know, within the structure of a, of a winning organization, a winning team with, with legit superstars. And I don't, he's never had that opportunity. So I would be excited to see Zach, you know, play in the Lakers uniform. Now, defensively, Zach will have to buy into being a better defender because that Lakers team plays defense. 
you know, AD plays defense. LeBron, you know, even though he's getting older, he knows when to cut it on on the defensive side. Zach's going to – he's going to have to play D because whether you guys want to admit it or not, Rondo plays such an important role not only because he scored the points that no one expected him to score, which were huge in the finals, but he also defended the whole playoffs. Like, he had a lot of key steals. You know, um, I don't have the exact number on how many steals that Rondo got during the, during the uh, playoff run. But, man, I mean, I, I watched him get steal out the steal, you know, um, game in, game out. So, Zach's going to have to buy into playing defense, but I don't, I don't think that would be a hard sell when you're going to play with LeBron and AD and the defending champs, man. So, that, if they can pull that off, man, that will be amazing. Okay, two things on that. One, uh, Rondo averaged a little under two steals a game in the playoffs. The other thing is that, and th- by the way, this is not pie in the sky. This is not Laker fan just wishing upon a start. From what I hear, uh, Chicago is kind of recalibrating the the clock a little bit with uh, Billy Donovan being there and trying to get have Levine buying into Donovan's system. Supposedly, there are there are thoughts out there that that might not really bear fruit. So getting a scorer like Kyle Kuzma and also a vet like Danny Green who can teach the young kids how to play, there's some uh, intrinsic value in that uh, for Billy Donovan. And then, like you said, Levine going to the Lakers, studying at the you know the right arm of LeBron and the left arm of Anthony Davis on how to win with his talent would be remarkable. Now, here's the thing with his defense. He took a lot of chances in Chicago. He might not have to take those same chances in L.A. because you don't have to do it all because you got two other superstars with you. I think almost nothing's ever real smooth, right? It takes time. It takes practice. It takes the, you know, trusting the four other guys that you're on the court with. But I think he would be, he's at that point in his career because he's still only like 25. But he's at that point because he's been in the league for a while because he only went, he did a one and done at UCLA. So he's been in the league for quite some time now. And he really hasn't had a lot of success in the league. So going to a team like the Lakers would, one, give him championship role models to look at. And then two, here's the other thing. That's another guy who can go out and get you buckets. So now LeBron and AD have a third horse that is like, okay, we might have an off night, but not all three of us going to have an off night. So could you imagine Zach Levine going for 50 on like Portland on a random Wednesday? Right, while LeBron's sitting out and getting some rest, you feel me? And this is the thing, man, and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, right? Let's be clear. Like, I respect Kevin Durant on all levels. You you guys know this. You've heard me say this. Like, he's definitely, when it's all said and done, going to be one of the best players to ever play this game. But when Kevin, before Kevin Durant went to Golden State, I don't don't think we ever looked at Kevin Durant as a great defender, not even an average defender, before he went to Golden State. After playing with Golden State, everybody talked about Kevin Durant's ability to defend. 
Why? Because he went to a championship organization. He had to level up. Um, he had to do more than what everybody was already expecting him to do, which was score. And he had to learn how to play D. And so I think it's a similar situation with Zach going to um, L.A. is where he's going to have to level up and he's going to have to play defense. And if he does that, which he will, um, because LeBron won't stand for anything less. He, look, we're not here to play games. The, the clock is ticking. And, you know, you're going to see your other best player on the team, Anthony Davis, block shots left and right, defend on the perimeter. And, I mean, you have no choice but to buy in and defend. And when you do that, you're only going to set yourself up to eventually get a bag. You know what I'm saying? So um, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there, man, because KD didn't defend like that in, in Golden State. I mean, uh, Oklahoma City. But when he got to Golden State, everybody talked about how, De how Durant was a good defender. And we didn't talk about that prior to him going to Golden State. So he has the opportunity to progress in that same way um, as far as on the defensive end, if and when he buys in, you know? I agree. I, I see this is this was, to me, I was trying to find a guy that fit the mold, right? And it was hard because, you know, you were looking for somebody in the age group, right, 24 to 27. You were looking for somebody who can just get buckets, right? We were looking for a guard. It was funny because everybody was like Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill. Everybody was Bradley Bill. But you know what? Zach Levine is explosivity. That guy is off the charts athletic. So not only is he going to give you buckets, like you said, defensively, he has the chance of being a guy who can be a stout defender just by athleticism alone. But Vogel teaches defense and trust and believe the one thing that Vogel has now that he did not have last year is the stroke to put you on the bench because he's a championship coach now. So if Levine, you know, misses a couple of assignments, like back-to-back, -back, come sit on the bench with me. Maybe you need to see the game from here. Where in Chicago, Zach, well, he was the team. There was really nobody else that was helping Zach Levine get buckets. Lori um, Marketing is a phenomenal talent. I don't have any doubt that he will turn into a really good player. He just couldn't stay on the floor. So a little bit of a reset for Chicago. Let's not forget about Kobe White. <laughs> You know, oh no 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 no! Kobe White will get an opportunity to uh, to to progress too with Zach yeah. gone. You know what I mean? Because you make that investment in getting a point guard in the lottery, you just can't. He, he's shown flashes of of being able to score at a high clip. I mean, six five, he's explosive. He can shoot it. I think it'll work good for both teams because now Chicago can go into the next chapter, right? And actually see what Kobe White can be. For, for that organization because you didn't you didn't draft him just to just to sit around and play behind Zach Levine. And keep in mind they also have the fourth pick overall. So it's not like they're not gonna get another high level piece as well. Um and also what's what's left, right? They're they're the team that's in like to me the best spot, right? They're number four. So the three guys are off the board supposedly. Right, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and LaMelo Ball, right? So they literally, in a sense, are 
they start almost kind of like phase two of the draft. Okay, who's the next guy? The kid out of Israel that I've been saying for a week, a couple of weeks now that I wasn't able to pronounce his name. His name is Denai Invicha. That's his name. He is supposedly very, very skilled, been playing with grown men for a while, so doesn't have a problem mixing it up on the defensive ends, getting physical, that sort of thing. Surprisingly, has a lot of lateral quickness. So a lot of people like that kid too. And actually, Golden State likes him a lot from what I hear. Golden State loves that kid. It's do they have enough intestinal fortitude to pick him? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. But they love that kid. So Chicago will end up with a, a prize piece also as well. So it's not like they're losing Levine and we're just going to be devoid of talent. Like you said, Kobe White, excellent. The kid out of Duke, Wendell Carter Jr., if he can get himself back on track. Lori Marginant of Arizona, he's a kid that if he can stay healthy, is a really talented guy. So they still have pieces there. So it's not like they just fall into the abyss in Chicago. And then they can get a bucket in Kuzma because now you can just unlock Kuzma, right? At this point, like, listen, all the stuff that they wouldn't allow you to do in Los Angeles because you had two superstars, oh, you do all that here. <laughs> you can do all that to the basket, Shoot the J freely. If you miss it, great. If you don't miss it, fantastic. So this will kind of reignite Kuzma because it'll free him up because we playing on a team where there's not a lot of expectations. So he'll be able to go back to his 18 to 20 and just get buckets. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be a good fit. I mean, when you think about these trades going forward, I always like for it to to work out for both sides. I mean, I, I, I don't want to see a kid get traded somewhere and just fall off. Like when, when, when Ingram and, you know, Hart, they left the Lakers, they went to a good situation and, and it set them up to continue to be successful. So I, I like to see things like that. And, and per, honestly, Kuzma going there would, would be perfect. You already got a championship ring, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, go go up there and, and you be the big man on campus, you know, so to speak. You know what I mean? So I think it could and, work out. And, and let's be frank about this. The Lakers got to upgrade the, the top level of their talent, right? Even though they won the championship, we've been talking about it for like weeks on weeks. The West has a bunch of assassins in it and they about to get a couple more back. You can't just stand pat and go, okay, we're the champions, and we're just going to run it back. That wouldn't have been successful next year. Now, especially, Coach T, this leads me right into something else. On QP Sports Exchange, folks, the one thing that we always talk about is that we do not hide. Coach T said last week that the NBA would start before Christmas Day, I'm hearing Coach T breaking news that will probably happen, that they will go ahead and ratify that by the end of the week. There will be games on Christmas Day. 
So rejoice. We will have hoop before the first of the year. So Money, we'll get man. to hear all these. We'll get to see all these rookies that we're talking about right now. All these player profiles that we're about to get into. We are looking at some hoop before the new year. Coach T, what's your reaction to that? Hey, more money, more money, more money. You know the deal, man. Hey, it's it's about money. Adam Silver is looking at it like, look, I have to, we have to get the bag. We, we have to because we're not going to have fans. So this the, the TV money, everything we talked about, guys, if you're listening right now, we talked about it in the last episode. Go check it out. We talked about how the NBA can recoup a lot of their money this year. And it's going to come from the G League because one thing about – um you know, comparing sales. And, you know, I've, I've had the luxury of working in that field for, for a long time where, you know, you're always looking at, you know, last year's sales versus this year's sales. And, and you know, when you look at last year's sales, and we're talking about G everything related G League, this year they're about to blow it out the water. So if you're working um, in the front office or you're a sales, I don't know, you're in the sales department for the G League, guess what? You guys about to get a raise. You get what I'm saying? Because when them numbers come out, and how y'all smashed last year's numbers, it's going to be crazy. But that's where the NBA is going to get their money. It's going to be a combination of, of, of them starting on time, right, and being able to get start on time to get that Christmas Day game in. And, uh, you know, the G League revenue is, is what's going to help them. You know, they, they might not make up for all the money, but they're going to make up a significant amount of money with the G League and starting on time. And that's why, that's why I said last episode, I felt like I was like, look – when we're talking about money, they're going to start on time. They're going to have to. And they got too many players coming back. You know, they know they know that people are looking forward to seeing Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, um, Steph Curry, you know, the, the Phoenix Suns. You know, a lot of people are looking forward to them. You know, everything they did in the bubble. Like, it's a lot of young talent. And the NBA is looking forward to it. Um, to, to banking off of that. And, and as fans, we're looking forward to seeing it. So um, they, they just go ahead and strike while the iron's hot, man. Okay. This is a, this is a pretty much a shout out to Adam Silver, but this is also a PSA for the commissioner of the NBA. Mr. Silver, Coach T and Vince would like to humbly suggest to you that the NBA TV G League games Oh, you need to parse those out to NBC Sports Network, CBS Sports Network, all these streaming services that just popped up out of nowhere, right? We got YouTube TV. We got Apple TV. Oh, make a deal with like Amazon Prime where exclusive G League action. Recoup some of your money that you're not going to have because fans are not going to be in the stands. You could do so much marketing when it comes to these young guys. They're all on one team, right? Coach T they're literally all, it's like a G league select team, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're all on one team, one team. Uh, Brian Shaw is the head coach and yeah, they're all together. So it's pretty cool. It's, it's really a cool concept, man. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. We are going to allow coach T Shuffle on down the road because he has to get to some things. So, Coach T, is there anything that you want to leave the people with uh, tonight that they need to know about with the pod or with anything coming up on your end? 
Oh, yeah, man. As always, you know, man, every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Mud Talk Podcast, man, releasing a new episode every Thursday like clockwork, man. So cut on your notifications. I'm um, going to talk about some good stuff tomorrow, as always. Another thing I just want to tell everybody, um, whether you're a religious person or not, just know that no matter what happens with the president and the, and the election and stuff, man, God's in control. He, he always has been, always will be. So um, spread love have compassion for people, man. And, and, and let, and let's, let's grow together. You know, let's not let this election, you know, divide us in two. All right. But yeah, one love. We want you guys to be good to folks out there this week, lend your neighbor a helping hand and just, you know, just shine your light as far as that's concerned, you know, cause here's the thing, you know what, breaking off a smile to somebody and just saying hello can just lift anybody's spirits. So, you know, go ahead and, and just be conscientious to one another. And with that, we out. You that think that gospel music has gone too far. You think we've gotten too radical with our message. Well, I got news for you. You ain't heard nothing yet. And if you don't know, now you know. Glory, glory. Woo. <laughs> you better put them hands together and act like you know it.